Let's turn our Bibles to Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Those of you who are new to ECYC, we're very Bible-based. And so you're going to have to bring your Bible to each session, uh, to each seminar, because we go directly from the Word of God. If it's not from the Word of God, we find it as useless. So please bring your Bibles to every session. We'll be using it. Judges chapter 14, verse 1, we come to a character that's really well known to each and every one of us. His name is Samson. Okay? Verse 1, it says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistine. Now what was Samson's mission in life? To destroy the Philistines. And so it says here that Samson went down to Timnah. Timnah is in Philistia. And so if you just stop there, you might think, oh, wait, that's a really good thing. I guess Samson is going to go down to Timnah and start destroying the Philistines. But what does, it say that, what does the Bible say he went down to? To see a woman. Samson's life was supposed to be a mission. But he lived his life more like as if it was a trip. Are we together? There's a, see, me, uh, me and my sister, we have this thing. We don't like the term mission trip. Uh, you, you're his, yeah, I went on a mission trip. We really don't like that term because we believe there's a difference between a mission and a trip. Are we together? So if I say a trip, what, what comes to your mind? Vacations, hotel, sipping something on the beaches of Jamaica. Now if I say something, if I say mission, what comes to your mind? Sorry? Purpose. Purpose. I think of like the military, you know, the Green Berets. These people who have a specific goal and they're, not, and they're disciplined, okay, that is a mission. Samson, Samson here, he was born to fulfill a specific mission, but his life was, was lived more like as if it was a trip. I remember um, several years ago, we went to Cambodia on a mission trip. Mission. <laughs> Some people saw it as a trip. And I remember those several teams that came together, these Korean teams that came together to do the mission trip. Mission, sorry. And, <laughs> and I remember that some of the missionaries, you know, we're supposed to be exemplifying Jesus, but some of the missionaries, they would go out late at night and they would go to, I'm not sure what they're doing, but I heard that they're going to like the bars and they're going out and like hanging out and doing, doing some things with illegal substances. And they were, they were missionaries. And so for them, you know, they were taking this mission more as if it was a trip, while others were taking in their life. They're this, the, uh, the trip to, the mission to Cambodia as if it was a mission. Are we together? But the question to us is, how about you and I? Are you living your life mission-focused? Or are you going through life as if it was some kind of journey where you could indulge in pleasure-seeking? Are we together? Amen? You know, the, uh, the irony is that those who live their life mission-focused are the ones who, who get the most enjoyment out of life. So when we say, you know, you know oh, trips are bad, you know, it's like, oh, then Christ the Christian life seems to be a drag. But that's not the case. Okay? Those who live their life fulfilling the purpose, the mission that God's given them are the most richly blessed and the most fulfilled. Are we together? 
I remember, um, how many of you guys like working out? I just got to work out, folks. <laughs> I have a membership to Good Life. You guys all know Good Life. Some people go to the gym on a mission. Yes? Then there are others who go to the gym for a trip. Are we together? And I'm sorry to say, but it's typically the dainty, delicate Asian girls who seem to go to the gym as if more, more as treating it is as if it was a trip. And so, you know, sometimes you're at the gym, you see these guys, they're like lifting heavy weights, and they're going, they're going to get bigger and stronger because they're lifting heavy weights, they're working hard. Then there's other people who are, you know, they're like working out, and it seems like they're not doing anything. I remember at the good life that I go to, we saw there was a bunch of, of Korean guys there, and, you know, they would do one set, and then they'll sit there, and they'll keep on sitting there. They'll look at the TV, and 10 minutes go by, and they're still sitting there. There's another girl, she's on the, uh, you guys know the leg abductor thingy? The one where you like, move your legs like this? Remember, she's sitting on there, and she was on her phone the whole time. I went through several machines, and already she's still on the phone. Some people go to the good life, to the weight room, treating more of a trip than a mission. Now, who is the one that gets the most fulfillment out of that? The ones who work hard or the ones who just kind of fool around? The ones who work hard, exactly. And I think it's the exactly same thing in the Christian life. Christian life is, is not about having fun, yet those who fulfill the purpose in life are the ones who are enjoying their life the most. Can I get an amen? amen? And that's the thing I want to talk about today. Samson should have lived his life purpose-driven, but he lived his life more for enjoyment, and at the end of it all, he lost it. He failed, and God had to use some radical means to get him back on track. How about you and I, as Canadian average young people, here at ECYC? What kind of experience are you going to leave this place with at the end of these four few days that we spend together? Let's all bow our heads for prayer before we start. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for bringing us here. Lord, we are told that time is short. And Lord, um, each moment is fraught with eternal consequences. I pray, Lord, that the four days, the several days that we spend together will not go to waste. Time is too short for that. I pray, Lord, that you please be with each one of us here. Speak to us. May we not leave this conference the same person that we came in. Lord, as we sit here tonight, I ask that you please speak through me, a sinner. I ask that you please place your words in my mouth. Lord, we come from various backgrounds, from various places. Our lives are all different, and we come with all these distractions. I pray that you please help us to leave these things aside, clear our minds so we can hear your voice, your spirit speaking to us. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to chapter 13, verse 5. Chapter 13, verse 5. The Bible says, the angel appearing to uh, the mother of Samson, she says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite. What did I say? Nazarite. 
Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. A Nazarite. A Nazarite was someone who was set apart specifically for the purpose of serving the Lord. They weren't allowed to drink wine. In fact, they weren't allowed to drink anything that came from grapes. They, didn't, they weren't allowed to cut their hair. Completely consecrated to God's work, we could call them, they were servants. What's the, what's the theme for this month? I mean, this, uh, this weekend? Make me a servant. Samson was a Nazarite, which means that he was a servant of the Lord. Okay? Now, it's interesting because in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, it says that, about Jesus says, and, it came, and he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that might be fulfilled that was speak, spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Okay? And the reference text is actually this text that we just read. So it seems, to, it seems the case that Jesus also had a Nazarite vow, at least for a certain part of his life. So in many ways, G, Samson's life is like, a, is like a type of the life of Jesus. And Ellen White says in the opening words of the book, Ministry of Healing, those of you, I, th- I believe every young person should read that book, Ministry of Healing, she says, Our Lord Jesus came to this world, the unwearied servant of man's necessity. Okay? Jesus came to this world with a specific mission. Did Jesus come to this world on vacation, for a vacation? Heaven's, heaven's kind of getting boring. You know, the angels are kind of you know, lame. I want to hang out with the human beings. So, you know, let's hang out at the resorts in Jerusalem. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, that, you know, let's hang out in, in Jerusalem. Let's, you know, hang out on the beaches on the Judean coast. Is that why, why Jesus came to this planet Earth? No, he came to suffer, to meet man's necessity as a servant. Amen? Amen. And so for us, as we begin this conference, we have to make up in our minds that we must seek that exactly same Spirit and attitude that Jesus had. Amen? To be servants. Now you notice, Samson, what's what Samson's purpose in, in being born? To what? To deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So, in other words, a servant has to have a specific aim. What did it say? A specific aim. Okay, in the book Education, and it says, success in any line demands a definite aim. Okay? Such an aim is before set for the young people of today. The gospel, taking the gospel to the whole world in this generation is the most noblest which can appeal to any human being. Amen? Now she says the gospel to the whole world okay? because she's speaking to the, all, the whole Seventh Adventist world church, world members. But for us as Canadian Adventists, you know, the gospel to all of Canada in this generation. Amen. Amen? If we see ourselves as servants of the Lord Jesus living in Canada, then our mission, our definite aim has to be, I'm going to take the gospel to all of Canada in this generation. Amen? Amen? Now, go to verse 24 to 25. Verse 24 to 25. The Bible says, So the woman bore a son and called his name, what? Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana Dan, between Zorah and Ashdod. 
Now you notice something. When the angel appears to Samson and says, your son is going to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines, does the angel tell um, the mother how Samson is going to do it? Does he? No. Okay. He, um, he says, no, he just, he just says, your, your son's going to deliver Israel. Okay. But she's, he, does, he doesn't specify how. But, the, but in the text it says that, here it says, And Samson and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. So the, so the thing is, as Samson was growing up, it became very clear to the parents and to Samson, to everyone else, exactly what the blessing of God was upon his life. And which, what was that? What was his talent? Tremendous strength. Okay? So the, the um, application to us is this. If we are, you know, people hire servants because they have a specific talent. Is this true? So, you know, um, I guess back in the day, if you were, you know, wanted a cook, right? You hire somebody who can cook. Amen. Right? You don't hire somebody who's never cooked before. Okay? If a, if a Roman sailor wanted to get, want to hire some people who can row, you, never, you don't hire somebody who's never seen the sea. You, you hire someone who's always been on boats. So a servant is always employed because they have a specific talent. Are we together? Okay. In the same way, you and I are given talents by God. Amen? Do you have a talent? No? We have an untalented group here? <laughs> no, we are all each given a talent. But you can use your talent to fulfill the mission, or you can use your talent to live for self and indulge. More like living a life like it's, as if it was a trip. I think we are all out to live, use our talents to serve in saving souls. Amen? Amen. When I was uh, young, I think this was around grade five. I still don't, I still have never forgotten this day. You know, when you're young, we played this game called tag. You guys know tag? Right? You have to catch people and stuff like that. I remember on this particular day, we played this massive game of tag. And to, on this particular day, we decided it was going to be the girls versus the guys. Okay, and so we had like around like you know, 15 guys, 15 boys against like 15 girls, and the rule was the girls were it. You guys know what it means by like it? They're the ones that have to go chasing people, and the guys have to run away. And by the end of recess, whoever if the more boys were on in jail, so the portal was the jail, then they were the winners. Are you understanding? Okay, so the game began, and we were running around and stuff like that. Now the Lord. You know, when I was young, the Lord gave me a talent, and my talent was that I was really fast. Now, I know that's really surprising because I'm an Asian, right? <laughs> Asians aren't supposed to be fast. <laughs> but, but I was really fast. I was one of the fastest in my grade, okay? And so, on this particular day, we were playing tag and stuff like that. You know, 10 minutes into the, into the game, every single boy was caught except for me. So all these boys were on the portable, their hand was on the portable, and the other hand was crying, you know, George, please save me. And so I was on the other side of the field, and before me was around 15 girls blocking the way for me to rescue the guys. The rule was, if you tap someone that's in jail, they're allowed to go free. So I remember, you know, it was almost recess, the recess was almost over, and all these guys are crying out for help. <laughs> so I decided, I'm going to go save my brothers and sisters, my brothers. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I started to run towards the portable. 
And somehow, I'm not sure how it happened, I deked out all the girls, and within moments, I rescued every single guy from the portal. Amen. <laughs> and then it was soon after that the bell rang, and the boys won that day. And the reason why I have still not forgotten that day was because it was one of the first times where I felt I was really using my talent for something meaningful, saving the male gender. <laughs> to, to my young mind, that was, that was important because, you know, boys are never supposed to lose to girls. You know, that's the rule when you're young. But I still, I, still, I still never forgot that day because it was the very first time where I really felt that I was using my talent, i.e. my speed, to fulfill something meaningful. Are we together? You can use your talents to indulge on self, or you can use it to save souls. The second option will give you greater fulfillment. Amen? I could use, I could, you know, just save, you know, I could just be like, you know what? Give up, who cares? I'm the winner, who? I'm the only guy that did not get caught, and you know, take joy in that. But I sacrificed. You know, <laughs> going against these girls, a sacrifice. You know, and there's meaning in that. Us as young people, how are you going to use your talents? When you think of the talents that God has given you, what are the dreams that are conjured up in your mind? Is it just to glorify yourself? Or do you want to maximize your talents so you can save souls in Canada? You know, ECYC, something like this, we want to harness the talents of you young people. So if you have a talent that you have, throughout the next four days, come talk to ECYC members, amen? Okay, we want to use your talents. Okay, don't keep your talent to yourself. Come talk to the executive committee. Come talk to the people that are organizing music or whatever. Come to talk to the leaders. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Come talk to the leaders. <laughs> we want to harness your talents for the Lord. Amen? Amen? We need your talents. All right, now go to chapter 14, same chapter. Wait, same ch chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 3. The Lord gives us talents, but often the devil does not let us use the talents for the right purposes. He sets distractions in our life. And that's exactly what happened to the life of Samson. He was really strong, but he used that for selfish indulgences. So you read in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughter of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? So he's saying, you know, Samson, you're supposed to be killing these people. How is that you now you're going to go and marry them? Are we together? But I guess, you know, she looked really good on Facebook or I'm not sure how it all turned out. But somehow, this Philistine girl attracted the strongest man that God had among his people. Using distractions to veer him away from his mission and to live a self-indulgent life. You know, I remember um, when I was doing my master's in, uh, at York University, uh, we were, I was doing my master's in a fitness lab, we were fitness testing people, athletes and stuff like that. 
and I was a year into my program, and they're gonna bring in the new recruits, like the new grad students. So on this specific, on this particular day, you know, we're fitness testing firefighters, and a professor told us that on this day, one of the new students is gonna come in, and you know, she she said, you know, you guys are gonna be able to meet her, you know, um, be nice to her and stuff like that. We're like, okay, that's pretty cool. We're gonna see our new colleague, and so you know, when when the fitness testing was going on, you know, in the middle of it, she walked in, and she, you know, she was like an Asian girl, you know, kind of a good height, you know, kind of pretty. <laughs> You know, she's look, fit looking. And I was like, huh. <laughs> Don't pretend like you've never had this experience before. <laughs> and I remember thinking these thoughts in my mind. Now, but then I noticed, you know, she was like wearing, wearing like really tight pants. You know, she's like wearing like this jewelry on her ear, like stuff like that. And I was like, this woman is not a godly woman. Amen. Okay. And remember, you know, this person is definitely probably not Adventist. And so me as an Adventist young person, am I, should, I, should I be dating a non-Adventist? Yes or no? No. There is no business where children of light do not have business dating and being with the children of darkness. So I, I was, remember I was thinking about these things, you know, they seeing this really beautiful girl, you know, I was like watching her, and the whole time God was telling me, you know, George, stay focused. Stay focused. Amen? So in the same way, the devil, I'm not sure what your temptation is or was or whatever, but the devil seeks to put temptations in our way to distract us, to distract us from our purpose. It could be our pride. I'm not sure what it is. It could be money. I'm not sure what it is, but, but the devil is going to try to distract you. This is why places like ECYC is an opportunity for you and I to get away from the distractions of life. Amen? You come to this place, isolated from your room, isolated from internet. Do you notice you have no Wi-Fi in your rooms? <laughs> That's done purposely. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, you have no, you're, 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 you're taken away from your internet. You're focused, you're engrossed in the word of God. You're surrounded by your mission-minded young people to get you away from your distractions. And this is an opportunity for you and I to refocus our life. Amen? Because when you're out there, it's easy to get distracted from our mission. I, I pray that you will be able to reorient yourselves in the next four days. Amen? Amen? Now, another source of distraction is not just from the outside, but also comes from the, the inside. That's sad, amen? It's sad, but it's true. Look, go to chapter 15, go to verse 11 to 12. Chapter 15, verse 11 to 12. If you're there, please say amen. amen. Chapter 15, 11 to 12. The Bible says, Then 3,000 men of Philistines, the word says, 3,000 men of Judah. Who are, Judah? Who, are, who are the men of Judah? What is the relation, relation to Samson? They're the exactly the same. They're brothers and sisters. 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? Basically, Samson did something that really angered the Philistines. Now the Philistines are upset and they threaten to destroy the Judean people unless they go and arrest Samson. But they said to him, 
But they said, in verse 12, they said, But they said to him, We have come down to what? To arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. You know what really um, makes me wonder? You know, in the Bible says that Samson, he went, he picked up a jawbone of a donkey and killed how many people? Was it a thousand? Something like that. A, a, a lot of people. Okay? You would think that with a warrior like that on your side, combined with at least several thousand Israelites, that somehow they can defeat the Philistines. Plus the Spirit of God is working with them. Yes, you would think that. Yet still, after all these chapters in the life of Samson, still the Israelites are still in bondage to the Philistines. And you have to ask yourself, how? How is it that you can have someone like Samson on your side and you still haven't fulfilled the purpose that God has given to you? To conquer the land of Canaan. Do you know why? Do you know why that happened? It's because the Israelites started to lose their focus on the mission. God said, wipe away all these Canaanites and conquer the land of Canaan. What did the Israelites do? They came in, they defeated some of the major tribes, and they kind of got lax. What did I say? They kind of got lax. Do you guys know what the word lax means? <laughs> Lazy. Lost their focus. You know, they kind of defeated some of the major tribes. You know what? We don't have to defeat everyone. You know, we conquered, conquered most of the land. So, you know, let's just chill back. Now let's work on our farms. Let's build new houses. Let's make even bigger houses. Let's set up our businesses. And they start to, they lost the focus on the mission. You know, I believe that in the church, the exactly same thing could happen to us. How many of you are part of a large church? Let's say maybe over 200 people. How about 100 people? 50? <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you attend a church, and you could go from Sabbath to Sabbath, um, programs are running well, the divine service is, goes well, and there's no problems, no distractions. And so you can get the illusion that things are going well in the church. Are we together? You can get the illusion that things are going well, when in reality, they're not. Because there's, there's still millions of Canadians who have still not heard of the Sabbath. Amen? There's still millions of people who have not even heard of the basic principles of the health message, of the sanctuary. There are millions of people who still even doubt the validity of the Word of God. And so, you and I, sometimes we could sit in churches, we get comfortable around a certain group of friends in the church, and we could, we could come under the illusion, the spell, that things are okay. Now we, can, now we can kind of relax and settle down in the church. I remember uh, we were at Willowdale. Do you guys know Willowdale SDA Church? We were at Willowdale a few weeks ago, and Miriam, she made a call. She said, you know what? We should have some families who are willing to leave Willowdale and go to Newfoundland as missionaries. She said, you know, we should, we should leave Willowdale and go to Newfoundland as missionaries because they need missionaries there. Then one of the people, one of the staff members, she came up and she said, you know, you guys are really great and stuff like that, but I don't think anyone in this church is ready to do that right now. Lost the sense of mission, lost the sense of sacrifice. And so they can go to Willowdale Church, which is the largest church, I think, in Canada. Things seem well. Services go well. All the while, there is lack of sacrifice because you don't see the suffering out there in the world. 
You don't know what it's like for native people who do not know the gospel. They're still stuck in their native traditions. Are, you, are we together? If you understand, say amen. You know, and, and we lose our focus. It, the church seems strong, but in reality, it is weak. Sometimes the same thing happens with us as individuals as well. Samson seemed like a strong person. Yes, he seemed like a strong person, but inside, he was weak. Let me read you the words of Ellen White. This is taken from the book, Thoughts on the Mount of Blessings. She says, The strongest bulwark of vice in our world is not the iniquitous life of the abandoned sinner or the degraded outcast. It is that life which otherwise appears virtuous honorable and noble, but in which one sin is fostered, one vice indulged. To the soul that is struggling in secret against some giant temptation, trembling upon the very verge of the precipice, such an example is one of the most powerful enticements to sin. He who, endowed with high conceptions of life and truth and honor, does yet willfully transgress one precept of God's holy law, has perverted his noble gifts into, into a lure to sin. Genius, talent, sympathy, even generous and kindly deeds may become decoys of Satan. Did you, did you guys get that? Even some of the good things that we seem to do might be decoys of Satan to entice other souls over the precipice of ruin for this life and the life to come. That's when thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. So, so when people looked at Samson, you know, he had the long hair, he had a really, he was like buff and whatever. So on the outward, he seemed like he had the blessing of God. But inside, he was struggling with massive temptations. And Ellen says, that individual is the greatest temptation of all. Not the person who is completely in vice, it's the person who seems good, yet is harboring some secret sin. Are we together? I remember, um, do you guys remember uh, back in the day when, this is when we were in high school, when uh, the, uh, the clothing companies came out with like the tight shirts. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Abercrombie, and then they came out with a tight shirt so that when a guy wore, wore the tight shirt, he kind of looked muscular. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So I remember in high school, all the high school guys, they would start to wear those tight shirts. And on the outside, they looked strong. You know, their chest was kind of well-formed and stuff like that. But then you go into the change room in the gym class, and when they take off their shirts, you realize it's another story. <laughs> they're, they're not as strong as they appear to be. And it's the same thing with the church. We can come under the same illusion as well. Thinking that there's something going well, but in reality, it is not. You know, um, you, you guys watched the video, right? Manitoulin Island. Do you guys know how many natives are on that island? Does one care to guess? Sorry? 100,000. <laughs> no, no, no. Around 10,000 people, 10,000 natives. Do you know how many Abins are on the island? One family. One family that is struggling to keep alive spiritually. You guys know none of it. You guys know none of it, right? The territory up there in the middle of nowhere, right? Thousands of natives. Do you know how many missionaries are there? Do you know how many Adventists are there? Two. 
one by the name of Jose, a young person just like you and I. Two Adventists in the middle of the cold try to minister to thousands. And we think that there's something going well in Toronto. Lord, please help us. Amen? Please help us. Okay. When we're sitting in our churches enjoying the service, you know, God's think about the natives out there who are struggling with diabetes and heart disease, the young native kids who are struggling with alcohol, the young baby who's going to be born, of fetal, born with fetal alcohol syndrome because their mother is indulgent, drinking alcohol. You know, God's thinking about the elderly person in Newfoundland who's, who's only years away from death and still has not heard about the Sabbath. This is what God thinks about. And he needs you and I to go and to save these people. Amen? Amen? Amen, okay. Two with me to our last text, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. there, please say amen. amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. The Bible says, let this, what? Mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You guys want to be like Jesus? Amen. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a of a servant. In my Bible, it says a bond servant. Do you guys know what a bond servant is? Slave. Okay, it's worse than a servant. What's the theme for this weekend? Make me a servant. Okay, Jesus considered himself a servant. And coming in the appearance, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the, the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. You know, God, Jesus came down to this planet not on a trip, not on vacation, amen? He came down here to serve, to die on the cross for you and I. Okay, and now God is wondering, is asking us, after ECYC is over, out on Sunday, where will you go for Jesus? Where are you willing to go and use your talents to serve the Lord? I remember, um, how many of you know RMC? The school RMC? The Royal Military, how many of you heard of the Royal Military College? You Canadians don't know the Royal Military College? It's a university up in the, I'm not sure where it is. <laughs> 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 but basically, it's a, military, it's a military university. And basically what happens is, you're allowed to go there for your schooling, and tuition is free. Did you know this? You can get your education for free at the RMC. But the, but the, but the catch is, after you complete your education, you have to serve five years in the military in return for a free education. Now growing up, I, I, my dream was always to be a soldier. Okay. My dream was always to be a soldier. I was really into like fitness. I did like taekwondo when I was young. I was really into fighting. So I wanted to be a soldier. And so, and I, and I came from a very poor family. My family, very poor. So when I, so when I was grade 12, I learned about the RMC. 
I was completely ecstatic. I was like, wow, I could fulfill my dream of becoming a soldier and tuition is completely free. What kind of better option than that? Yes, what kind of better option than that? And so we went to the, you guys know, the university fair. We went downtown to the university fair with my mom and my brother. And there was a guy, there was the RMC booth, and there was a soldier there. So we went to the booth, we were like, you know, we, we heard about the school, it's free. This sounds really interesting. What are some of your programs? He was, he was kind of sharing out some of the stuff. Then I had to throw in the big question. Do you guys know what it was? The Sabbath. You know, um, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. Um, am I allowed to keep Sabbath? And the, the interesting thing was, the guy that was at the booth, he was a Jew. He said, oh, the Sabbath. Oh, yeah, I know about your Sabbath. I'm a Jew. And in the military, they don't care about your Sabbath. You know, because in the military, you know, it's like, you have to save a life or keep the Sabbath. Well, you have to go save a life. You know, if it means you have to fight on the, fight on the Sabbath to save your country, well, you have to go fight. There's no option. I'm like, really? Like, we live in a free country, you know? Religious rights. I said, really, there's no loophole? He said, no, this is the military. We have no loopholes. And so I was faced with a tremendous decision in my life, a huge decision where to go to university. I could either go to the RMC, violate the Sabbath, and serve in the military for five years, or I could trust in the Lord Jesus that he would take me somewhere else. And by the grace of God, I chose to follow the Lord. Amen? So he took me to York University. <laughs> Use a fork, go to York. So, and I studied kinesiology there. But the thing is, I still do not regret my decision to follow the Lord. Amen? If I had not, if I had followed my own will and my own decision, I would, I would be right now, I would have finished school and I would be serving in the military, in the Canadian Army. I would not be here with you all. Okay? The question is, if you are a servant, who tells you where to go? Your master. A servant has no option. The master just says, go, and you have to go. Okay? He says, use your talents in this way, and you have to go use your talents in the specific way that the master determines. And so my challenge to you this evening is, at the end of these four nights, where are you willing to go for Jesus? Where, what kind of sacrifice are you willing to make for God? Do you want to be a missionary for the Lord? These are the questions that must linger in our minds. Amen? And I hope that at the end of this weekend on Sunday, that each and, each and every one of us can be impacted to be missionaries for Jesus. Amen. And not just missionaries anywhere, but missionaries here in Canada. Calcutta needs the gospel. Amen? Calcutta needs the gospel. I remember uh, sitting and talking with one of the conference presidents, the president of the Newfoundland Conference. It was very interesting. He said, we're really excited that the, that the ECYC team is coming to do a mission trip in my conference, in my province. Um, and to minister to the dark regions of Canada. He co considered his province a dark region. Can you believe it? Canada, which is considered a Christian country, has dark regions. God needs us to go there. Amen? God needs us to go there. Remember, uh, there's a powerful story of a person in, in a, somewhere up in the far north of Canada, this woman, and she, was, she, she heard about the Adventist faith through listening to Amazing Facts of Doug Batchelor. You guys know Doug Batchelor? She came across Doug Batchelor on the internet and she started to like, listen to like, 
some of his uh, sermons and stuff like that, and she accepted the truth. And the interest and the and the, uh, the I guess the blessing of the story is that she was able to come down to I believe it was a Michigan camp meeting and was able to be baptized by Doug Batcher himself. Wouldn't that be amazing? Okay. But I think the question to us is this: Can we depend upon amazing facts and the internet to do the work for us in Canada? Can we? No, we must be foot soldiers for Jesus to go where he bids us to go. He needs, uh, Doug Batcher is an American, no offense to Americans, but he's an American, okay? He, God, needs us Canadians to go out and reach Canada. Amen? Amen. And who better to do it than the young people like you and like myself? So I pray that at the end of this weekend that you see yourself and you see a purpose in life in a whole different way. Life is a mission, not a, not a trip. Canada is a good place to live, amen? It's a really good place to live. You could get caught, you could get caught up in that. Okay? Live a purpose-driven, mission-focused life. And this is the goal of ECYC this weekend, amen? So this is my goal and my prayer for you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for giving us um, your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Lord, your son, Jesus, came down as a servant, the unwearied servant of man's necessities. He came down here as a missionary, not someone who's going on vacation, not someone who's coming here to have a fun time, but to suffer, to serve, to meet our needs. Lord, now the question lies to us. Will we be servants for you? And will we go out to serve others and to serve our fellow countrymen in Canada? I pray, Lord, that you please forgive us for the, for the laxes that, you, that we've often had in our lives, for becoming complacent, for, setting, for settling for mediocrity. I ask that you please forgive us for these things, for being Samson's in many aspects of our lives. But Lord, you forgave Samson at the end of his life he was able to finally fulfill his mission. And Lord, this tells us that it is not never too late, that we can yet again return back to you. I pray, Lord, that this weekend can be one such experience. I ask, Lord, that you can please give us focus, please give us a clear mind, and please show us, Lord, where we, where we ought to go and how we ought to use our talents to serve you. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.